Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the Dudley boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup that we complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. And sir, we are gathered here to... Oh, uh, we are socially distanced here today, although we weren't the other day in the office, and that was... Well, we were abiding by the rules, but we were in the same room. What I mean by that is... Anyway, we are, yeah, we are here to discuss whether or not AEW has a rankings problem. And before we dive into the sort of pros and cons of this, Michael Sidgwick, why are rankings so important? In other words, uh, why WWE ruin this for everyone? I want to make something explicitly clear before we begin this podcast, because it would be just my bloody luck for this to be clipped out of context when I've been the goddamn mascot for this promotion that I mostly think is awesome. The ranking system is crucial. Mm-hmm. I am not calling at all for them to get rid of the ranking system. The ranking system does far, 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 far more good than bad. I just think there are certain other factors that are happening in parallel that is making the ranking system feel like something approaching a cause and solution mm. to... AEW's problems, okay? Not that I think there are many. I just think a good thing could be even better. Just want to make that explicitly clear. Now, to answer your question, the reason why AEW have a ranking system is the sort of thing that if you were to, like, tell a non-wrestling fan this, they would think, oh, it should be the... Well, it should be the norm, shouldn't it? Mm. And I would say to them, well, yes, but you see, there's this other company, right? <laughs> there's this other company. What this other company, and uh, we know that they are called WWE. What this other company have done have somehow extracted the most beautiful thing about professional wrestling, right? And removed every wrinkle of drama from it. 
every wrinkle of meaning of purpose from it was something called 50-50 booking. <laughs> the reason why I love professional wrestling more than absolutely anything else at its best, right, is because at its core, it's rubbish how the wider population just thinks it's a stupid fake thing when they'll watch superheroes or monsters or dinosaurs or whatever. It's like, that's not real either. Mm. The, the, that disconnect will always just kill me. Pro wrestling at its absolute very best is the very best thing ever because it takes what is, in a lot of people's minds, the very best thing ever, and it is able to work it in sports. Mm. I get anxious watching sport because I'm emotionally invested in sport, as a lot of people are, and I happen to have picked two teams, one from, well, both from birth. Newcastle United are my club team, England are my national team, and in my lifetime, neither have won anything. <laughs> when they get close to winning something, it is magic. When they fail, invariably, it is heartbreaking. Now, professional wrestling is genius because it takes the athletic thrill, just this inimitable athletic thrill of really gifted athletes doing incredible things, and it's able to manufacture the outcomes, right? Mm -hmm so that your guy gets to win. And it's amazing. When you see someone like Hangman Page, who I've emotionally invested in the character, finally realize the thing that he was not capable of doing, but only in his own head, it's going to be magical because that's what pro wrestling is. In order to achieve working this inimitable drama, the actual wins have to matter. In WWE, the very latest example of this not mattering for some reason that I'll never get my head around is Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin have a program. They trade some wins. One guy wins one week. The other guy wins the next. Then it turns out they both suck because Jeff Hardy, who's been in purgatory, decides <laughs> oh, I'm just going to win the guy. I'm going to beat the guy who won a few. Nothing matters. It is incredible how bad this is to a point that I still struggle to explain the, the logic or lack thereof behind it. AEW in glorious, beautiful, crucial contrast grasps that wins and losses matter. This is visualized in the ranking system. This ranking system is a framework that allows you to invest in a performer, make them feel like winners and make all of the narrative foundation for everything that happens make a beautiful sense. Sometimes it could be heartbreaking when Hangman Page falls at the last. His time isn't here yet. Sometimes it's glorious when you see someone like Orange Cassidy, who you also are meant to love, ascend through the ranks. And it's this incredible dissonance of, I thought he was just a popular meme guy and I liked him, but he's also a winner. Mm. Or he might actually win. The rankings are crucial but there are cons to it too. What do you, like, when AEW had, like, the ranking system, were you like me and thought, why doesn't every promotion does this? It's not WWE, it's ruined, in my eyes, not that they weren't already before, but even New Japan, there is so much failing upwards that I struggle to watch New Japan because these rankings are so important. That's exactly what I was about to say in terms of introducing into our lexicon the phrase failing or losing upwards. The amount, you know, we talked about it with Gargano in NXT, 
Uh, the, the one that immediately pops into my head for some reason is Samoa Joe. He dropped the US title and then suddenly was in a world title yeah. feud with, with Kofi a year or two ago, whenever that was. Uh, and time has no meaning anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's inexplicable that that other companies don't have what is relatively straightforward. Like, especially when you've got shows, and we'll get on to dark, but like, it's not like, oh, bloody hell, we need to give so-and-so loads of wins. And we've only got six weeks of TV before. You've got dark, you've got dark elevation. You've got, you know, and, you know, if, if necessary, if WWE wanted to do that, you've got main event, you've got bloody all these other shows that you could hoy them on and just put, you know, if you want to do that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about UFC later on, but I think it, it speaks volumes and it's an indictment of WWE in particular that a lot of the time, as a fan of both things, UFC books better than WWE and they can't control the outcomes. They just go, right, you two get in there. It'd be really nice if this guy won because then we've got this wonderful story that leads to a title match and, you know, selling out, you know, arenas and stuff. But they can't do anything about it. Someone can go in there and we've seen recently, they'll just shatter their leg or, you know, get a fluke knockout. They can't control it. WWE can. And they just go, who cares? Anyway. The pros are there and they're obvious, uh, and no doubt you'll you'll reference them more as we continue. What are the the, the, the flip side to this? What are the cons of of the the ranking system? Well, this is kind of the impetus behind the topic that I pitched for this podcast recently. It's becoming a little bit irritating in terms of the broader quality of the show that these rankings exist. And what I mean by that is because these rankings exist, because they are adhered to, because they drive storylines, it means that there are certain wrestlers who really, like, um, again, I'm not campaigning for every wrestler to be on the same show every single week, right? I feel like the way modern discourse is now is if that if you fail to caveat a point that probably should speak for itself, someone will counter-argue with it, <laughs> often in bad faith. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we see the same roster on TV every single week. In fact, that's impossible because we see that in WWE and there's no momentum, there's no ascendancy. You just can't have any meaningful framework when you have the same group of people. It needs to be a mix for narrative reasons, for like just boredom reasons or lack thereof. But the issue with the ranking system is that because you have in this system a set number of singles guys or tag teams who are going to be in the mix at a certain point, you can't then feature certain stars heavily, at least in singles matches, on your show because you can't beat them. You don't want to beat them. They're stars. But at the same time, it's not their turn to win because if you give them so many matches that they have to win, then they are going to go up the rankings when they're not ready yet. That's why when there's a babyface champion, a lot of the heels go up and vice versa. But when there's a heel champion, does that necessarily mean you shouldn't have an absolutely killer heel singles guy mm. not on your TV working great matches or doing great promos to build the great matches? because as a heel champion, there's an inherent flaw in this ranking system and the way that it shapes the storytelling that is becoming more and more apparent the more and more bloated this roster gets. On the AEW Preview podcast, which is out of date now, but why not listen to it anyway? Support your favourite podcasters wherever you get your podcasts from. We were talking about Andrade, and the first thing we clocked was, and again, I would rather they worked around this rather than just 
destroyed the system. Yeah, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? It's a lovely problem to have, indeed. That's a perfect way of putting it. But, like, what does Andrade do now when they're all... And I know that AEW isn't totally strict with babyface and heel alignments, but at the same time, heel versus heel just simply doesn't really work. You can do babyface versus babyface. You can do tweener versus tweener, provided that tweeners are good and not just intense dickheads who think they're hard. So that's really entertaining. <laughs> but what does Andrade do now? He's debuted. He has to be presented as a star, otherwise he's just a guy. He has to wrestle like one as well, but that's another conversation. If he wins and wins and wins, he's got Miro and he's got Kenny Omega there. In the meantime, MJF, I don't think, has had a single singles match on Dynamite this year. And I don't think that's a good thing necessarily. I understand. And here's the thing with AEW, what they do is they mostly balance the ranking system with grudge match stakes. So they sit quite easily alongside one another so that you can understand why MGF, his whole MO is, I'm entitled to be champion. It's my birthright. I'm a prodigy. You can preoccupy him with a really well-crafted, intricate grudge storyline to remove him from the rankings so that it doesn't feel like he's not a star. He's still profiled. He's still doing mostly very entertaining things when this program that he's in at the minute doesn't descend into sports entertainment bollocks. But at the same time, the fact that he has to do this because it's not his time to be a champion or challenging for a title in the booking plans means that you don't get a proven ratings draw in MJF in a singles match on Dynamite. We've been wondering why it's taken them so long to do MJF versus Sammy Guevara or MJF versus one of Santana and Ortiz to build to the, the, the table wars, like the blood and guts, these stadium stampedes. And the reason being is that those wins count in this promotion. So instead, you get a lot of angles and promo segments. And the idea is that because there's so many of them, you're not going to cut a world-class promo every week. MJF and Chris Jericho are so good right, that they somehow contrive to do this most weeks. When it gets repetitive, it starts to really drag down the quality of these promos and these angles and how repetitive they are. I'm just thinking that with MGF not working enough singles matches for a star of his calibre, for Andrade feeling like he's already got some blockades, there's a creeping problem with AEW in that the ranking system, as fundamentally important as it is, as a foundation for everything, is starting to become like an issue. Yeah, it's, I think it's a very, very valid point. I will point out, as we often have to, we're recording this on Friday afternoon before Dynamite. So obviously things are subject to change, particularly the rankings that I've got in front of me. They are as of June 9th. But you look at like the women's rankings, for example, you've got obviously Britt Baker as champion. Number one in the rankings, Thunder Rosa. That's an obvious match to go to. Take on T, Nyla Rose, Ikara Shida, uh, Layla Hirsch, they're making up the top five there. Men's rankings, Kenny Omega, Mira, obviously, uh, as world champion, TNT champion, respectively. Jungle Boy, Adam uh, Hangman Page, Darby Allen, John Moxley, Orange Cassidy on there. But you say, like like you say, you mentioned and Andrade, my, my mind immediately turns to someone like Jade Cargill, for, who, for different reasons, they want to present her because, oh, my God, look at her. But you can't have her win, you know, five, five, ten matches, either on Dynamite or Dark, because then you're suddenly saying she's in the world title picture. And I love her, but she ain't ready for that yet, is she? Will Bond, that is the perfect 
Now, well, I'm glad you thought about it because I didn't. Yeah, with Jade Cargill, you've got Jesus Christ, there's a massive bee out my window. After it's gone. It wasn't jerking off. Like, it wasn't. That's insider baseball for people who are listening to this for the first time. But, oh, God. They're, they're canning. They are, you know, incredibly valuable species, but I just don't want to get stung. Sorry for that. Jade Cargill. Yet this is a problem, right? And again, the, the ranking system kind of collides almost with certain things that happen on the show and certain features of the company and it just creates problems as well as like like investment in storylines. Jay Cargill is a beast of a performer. She looks fantastic. She improves each time she's in the ring. She is still incredibly raw and green, right? How do you get better at wrestling? Mm. The answer is you wrestle more and more and more. You put in your reps, your reps, your reps, your reps, your reps. The issue is that she can't lose. Look at her. It's bad that she loses. It's unconvincing if she loses. She will not appear like the star that she looks like if she loses. She has to win the matches that she has to work to get better. But in winning all of those matches, that gets her to the top of the rankings and the champion is a heel in Dr. Britt Baker. I'm not saying that Jade Cargill couldn't play babyface, but for right now, she's nowhere near realized her potential. So again, the level of experience in certain divisions and the fact that you can't beat people, but the fact that you need to keep profiling this woman who's really, really talented, it's just all kind of the ranking system is just a bit of a problem. And I don't know how to solve it, which is going to screw up your next question, by the way. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the rankings and how some people get to where they are. Because obviously, you know, Jungle Boy, for example, won the uh, Casino Battle Royal. He's got a, a world title shot off the back of that. He's also the number one at the time of recording on the men's rankings with an eight and one record. And you look down like at the tag team rankings, Varsity Blondes, number one ranked, 13 and four record. Um, and that is because of, as we alluded to earlier, the wins that they can rack up on dark. How much does a win on dark count and 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 the way that they utilize that show well the problem is that a dark win is considered equal to a dynamite win and that's just it's a work and again i will say this it's so nice of them to make the effort like (laughs) it legitimately is but if we hold this company to the highest of standards and we should a dark win counts as much as a win on dynamite i mean the, the system hasn't been explained which is perhaps another problem but it doesn't really bother me because you can infer from what you see that it works even if they're working it if that makes any sense at all but a dark win in canon means as much as a dynamite win which is bollocks because it just it doesn't resonate with any credibility because not enough people watch dark dynamite's your flagship and more to the point they don't show footage of the dark victories on dynamite Begging mm. it, in the case of SCU, right? Just if you did it on one or two dynamites of maybe a little rundown segment with Tony Schiavone saying, Here's some guys to look at on dark who are gathering impressive winning streaks. It feels like it's all happening in secret. SCU won a lot of matches on dark, hence why they got to the top and hence why they did the storyline. But it didn't really, if it's like if it's tree falls in the wood. Mm. And no one's around here. It doesn't make a sound. If someone wins on dark, does anyone get over? <laughs> they need to start doing some kind of little one-minute segments fortnightly on Dynamite saying, who's here's who you need to keep an eye on in our ranking system. They should do a little rankings rundown every single week. And they don't have to, like a women's one, one week, flash of the men's on one flash of the women's next week and like a, a video recap of who's winning matches on dark and the tag team division, for example, because at the minute it just feels like if you're, and I'm not saying they should pander to idiots to do constant recap, but it, a little bit will go a long way in this regard. Tell people why SCU are good, show them more to the point why they're good and what the stakes are for this match on dynamite. As good as the payoff was, they did the build. They just didn't show it. Yeah, And again, as you said perfectly, it's a nice problem to have. But yeah, the dark thing is an issue. And I implore anyone from AEW who may or may not listen to this podcast to just tell TK, look, TK, start having Tony Schiavone. I I mean, the thing is, is like live matches generate the most ratings and they hold, sustain the most attention. Whenever you do video package, no matter how blinding they are, people will just go, all right, okay. It's not a wrestling match. It's, that's the reality. I don't like it any more than anybody else does because I prefer promos and video packages to inform how much I like matches. But statistically, people just like watching matches right now. But Tony Schiavone's face, how can you turn that off the telly? Yeah, and I've had, a little, 
I'll have a little bit of an idea and I'll remind me of this because I'm going to inevitably forget when I actually get around to it. But as a, just as an idea of how to present that, I've had a, I've had a little bit of an idea just as you were talking there, and we'll, we'll get to that in due course. Um, but you know, you look at the rankings, and you know, for the for the most part, if not pretty much all, I don't think you've got, there's not very many like exceptions aside from someone naming someone on the rankings. I think Darby Allen did it for a while. Who just, you know, they're not necessarily the number one contender, but I want to face this person, for example. And I don't mind that if they're fourth. Exactly. It informs oh, it. But Avalon, is it? Poor no. Peter Avalon. Yeah. <laughs> but what I was going to ask you is whether or not you think uh, AEW could take some sort of influence from UFC. And what I mean by that is I'm a man who enjoys the UFC. Again, they have no control over things and they wouldn't be able to turn around and say, well, this guy's lost four matches on the bounce, so he's going to fight for the world title at the next pay-per-view or whatever. But what I mean by it is, and the problem we have is the problem that you and I often revisit along with Hamlet, and it's it's the bad faith takes. It's the, it's the people online or wherever it may be who suddenly decide, well, you know, it, it, to harken back to him, I thought this was meant to be uh, sports-based programming. I thought, you know, all that. Oh, I thought you weren't meant to have heels and baby faces. Well, you need some tropes of this to make this actually a bloody and a bloody register. So that don't take this as like me trying to undermine the entire ranking system. But what I was going to say is, is for the most part, uh, people who get title shots are usually the number one contender, or maybe sometimes they'll have like the number two contender if the number one contender is injured or you've already had that fight, or maybe you're going to have like the champ versus number two and one and three fight. And then that leads to the next, whatever it may be. But on occasion, the first obvious example that leaps into my mind is when Michael Bisping uh, was middleweight champion. I want to say in the UFC, George St. Pierre came out of retirement, one of the greatest fighters of all time. And they didn't go, well, you've got to rack up uh, six wins uh, against some, you know, journeymen, and then we'll give you a title shot. They went, well, the money fight is this new middleweight champion, or not newly defended, but anyway, this champion versus George St. Pierre. Could AEW take influence from that in, in saying, you know, I'm not necessarily saying hot shot Christian Cage just because he's the shiny new thing to, to the title. But for example, if dream scenario, Daniel Bryan shows up, not to bugger up all the other bookings we've had uh, you know fantasy booking we've had Daniel Bryan came in would you be all right with them going well Daniel Bryan's here Kenny Omega's champion that's the match to have like is that feasible or would that just bugger everything up well, I don't know because if you bring in someone in like Daniel Bryan he's going to be a baby face no matter how hard you try and him accepting the the title match would feel like a heel entitled maneuver like jumping over people yeah, you know what I mean? Um, so it's again, it's a problem mm. because what the ranking system does is it provides as much luxury almost as it takes away. Mm. Um, so it is difficult in that regard. And it's funny, you just mentioned Christian, which brings me on to another point is that it was immediately obvious when he held up the title that, oh, Christian's going to get a title shot. They plant <laughs> seeds. And nine times out of 10, those seeds will grow. The problem then is, and I know they are often, not often, but they sometimes are very good at like subverting everything and creating another layer of drama. Like when um, Hangman Page lost to Brian Cage, that yeah. was such an inspired booking decision because what it did was that loss not only informed the short, medium and long-term world title picture, and it dovetailed into a feud with Brian Cage properly, 
But what that did was it made you think, oh, Christ, maybe it's not quite as predictable as dynamite can sometimes be. Because now, a Christian Cage, do you think he's got any chance in hell of losing to Angelico? We're recording this, by the way, on Friday. Yeah, no, no, no. No chance that he was losing to Seidel. And it's good because when you watch Premier League football, that's just the sport I follow the most. You don't expect... Like, oh, who's going to win? Is it going to be Sheffield United? Or is it going to be Manchester City? Like, <laughs> the reason why Manchester City's beat Sheffield United is because these are realistic outcomes that are just going to happen because of so many different factors. This should happen in wrestling, particularly if you mutants, I'm trying to be better. I don't really get that pissed off on Twitter anymore. But if you mutants want it to actually be sports-based, you can't have that take. And that's getting a bit predictable in the same breath. You're just not allowed. But at the same time, because they've planted the destination and because your average AEW fan is intelligent enough to grasp, all right, okay, well, that means they're getting a title match, but it doesn't have to happen next week. Virtually every single Christian cage match that follows his way up the rankings is incredibly predictable. Hmm. I personally have no problem with that, but maybe the ratings tell a different story. Who knows? Yeah, it's akin to building up a boxer's record. Like I saw Anthony Joshua and he was up and coming and they just bring blokes in and you'd be like, they just got him off the street. And he's just like, oh, he's had his head taken off by him. But it's to get those numbers up to justify saying it's someone's O's got to go. It's 20 and 0 Anthony Joshua versus this other guy who's actually got a fairly decent record. Well, go on then, Sige. Nice, easy problem for you. We all know Sweet TK listens. Solve this rankings problem for him for AEW. I would just like to reiterate that despite the title of the podcast, it's not really a problem, except it's creating a few ones. The crux of this is, is that you want all of your best talent on television who are going to give you the best matches, the best promos, the best angles. You don't want them on every week, but you want them on at least every three weeks. Mm. Santana and Ortiz... MJF, even Jungle Boy, like they're not on the show enough, right? This wasn't a problem. I will always hold um, the the six weeks before Revolution 2019. Yeah. (laughs) Absolute pinnacle, not only of this promotion, but of professional wrestling itself. I can't recall a time I was ever higher on it. Everything had meaning. The way these goddamn storylines built and built to these peaks. The match quality. You even got the surprise factor of, all right, okay, you think you've had your mind blown. Pick it all up, put it back together, because Pack versus Orange Casting is happening three days away before you ever thought it was possible. <laughs> Blow your mind all over again. The thing that... The key difference now between AEW Revolution 2019 build and the AEW of June 2021 is the roster in June 2021 is absolutely enormous. And in terms of flagship programming that is canical and everyone cares most about, is still only two hours. The third hour, hopefully, will change things to a degree. But even then, your roster's accommodated in terms of not everything feels rushed and frenetic and not everything feels samey in terms of the run-ins and the interferences. But it's still got a problem of too many wrestlers, 
too few ranking spots, too few titles. And the other effect is the fact that they're not just given every Tom, Dick and Harry a title shot, preserves the prestige of the titles. Basically, in doing everything right is kind of impossible. And I think this is becoming a little bit apparent. I think the answer, Will Bourne, in terms of getting your best guys on TV, and hopefully this is going to get answered imminently, they have all but confirmed this is going to happen. The only thing they haven't dropped is the when, is the introduction of a trio's title. That way, you do get MGF and FTR on telly every other week in a match because they could be the trio's champions. Mm. You could get FTR and Sammy Guevara. Like Sammy Guevara's had a criminally few singles matches on Dynamite, and he's another one to add to the list. He can team with Santana and Ortiz in trios matches. Yeah. They've got so many stables that not only is that in itself becoming a little bit of a problem in terms of the formatting of the show and how certain segments bleed into the next and how there's so much bustling activity, but they don't wrestle enough. They are there to create schmozzy angles to set up matches and it's starting to wear a bit thin. If they remove the schmoz and had a reason to fight that wasn't to build to a tag or a singles or a group match, and they had a trios championship, I honestly think that is the solution at this point. Ricky Starks, before his injury, was the guy we would always say, why isn't he on Dynamite Wrestling at least every three weeks at a minimum? When he, I don't think he had a singles match on Dynamite in 2021 until he had the match with Paige, snake bit though it was. He can work with Powerhouse Hobbs and Hook and have trios matches and have a reason to exist that isn't a post-match angle or an interference, both of which are wearing a bit thin. I think the solution here to the bloated roster, too few titles and ranking spots is a new title, but a different one. Not some bollocks like a global title or a European title, so like a, a prop by any other name, mm. like... This actually is a unique title that will yield great matches that will make use of this bloated roster that's kind of spooling outwards to the detriment of the company. The trio's title, in my opinion, is the way forward. I think it's a, I think it's a great shout. And uh, you know, people will say, well, why can you do this with just tag teams doing singles matches or singles people doing tag matches? You want to get someone like Jade Cargill, more reps on TV, or you want to get, you know, they're, they're, they're they're great. I still really enjoy watching them. I'm not saying that they're they're, they're green or, or too green, certainly. You want to get more varsity blondes on TV. Just have varsity blondes tag with someone in a trios match. They can lose as much as you want there, and they're still kept up in the in the tag rankings. And Jake Cargill can have 20 matches as part of various trios or tags. Win, lose, do whatever you want, but she's still got that perfect record if you want to if you want to book it that way. As a singles wrestler, I think it's I think it's genius. I think it's the right way to do it. The only addition I would add is something that you were talking about earlier, Tony. Mate, look, you know you've got the football links as well. You watch Sky Sports News just like the rest of us. The ticker at the bottom ain't nobody paying attention to that. Okay, when big news happens, they don't stick it at the bottom. They go, oh bloody hell, breaking news, Mourinho's gone, or whatever. So, just as a little add-on to what you were saying, as a one-minute, two-minute package as part of Dynamite each week, right? Instead of Tony Schiavone, great. You've got the big show. You've got Mark Henry. 
have them akin to what Taz does sometimes in terms of analyzing opponents, have them go, bloody hell, you got to see this, see what happened, see what happened this week on Dark or Dark Elevation or Rampage or whatever it is. Look at this. Uh, this was a, this was a match between two guys that don't really get a lot of exposure on Dynamite. Here's what happened midway through the match. Clip. Here's what happened at the finish. Win. That, that's the way to do it, isn't it? In terms of, I just want a minute or two because I, you know, we cover wrestling as part of our job, and I don't have time or the, really the inclination to go and spend another hour of my life watching Dark or Dark Elevation. Rampage is a different kettle of fish. That's akin to what SmackDown was originally when when Raw was there. But yeah, you just just for the, you know not even casual, just less hardcore than the most hardcore fans, just to keep them in the loop, innit? I think that's a fabulous idea, not least because you've got Mark Henry and Big Show, Paul White there, and the greatest film in the world, not everyone watches AEW Dark Elevation every week. I tend to um, sample it with guys that I'm invested in, with matches that I get buzzed about. I just don't have the time to watch it in bulk every single week. So Paul White realistically is, I don't say, I don't want to say shouting into the void because the most hardcore of hardcore AEW fans do consume readily this product and love yeah. it. But you're not making best use of a guy who's probably on a wedge. He's probably getting paid loads of money. Mm-hmm. Your idea is perfect, Wilborn, because he's got an authority. Mm-hmm. That's what he's there for. So when you have Paul White saying, look at this guy on dark, he's impressed me, he looks great. Instantly, there's a bridge from your Dynamite exclusive viewers to the Dark show that is canonical and is meant to inform the ranking system. Paul White should be there to act as a bridge to say, check this out, this is great on Dark. And even if you don't have the time then subsequently to watch Dark, you've at least heard about it. Mm. It at least counts, because it does count, but it also doesn't count. I think that's spot on. They're analysts, so that's what they should be doing. Tony Khan now writing in his notebook at the top of there. Sign Booker T so we can do his fave five from Dark this week. <laughs> yes, five. If five is to change every week. It was his fave 15. There was so many people on it. it. Genuinely, Jerry Lawler has less picks in the Rumble than Booker T has in his fave five. Yeah, <laughs> every yeah. single person that comes out in the Rumble. But yes. There isn't, it's not, calm down everyone, it's not broken, it just needs, what was it, what was it, tightening the screws, that's what Mark Henry literally said when he came into to AW the other week, that's exactly what we, we've done here with the ratings problem, uh, rankings problem, sorry, um, let us know your thoughts on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE, watch so you can follow both of us, you can follow Michael Sidgwick, at Really enjoyed this discussion, please take it in good faith everybody, at M Sidgwick. Me too. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Myself and Sid will be back tomorrow, of course, reviewing Dynamite from Friday, which is later on today for us. But when this goes out, <laughs> it's all very confusing. But yes, we will be here to review Dynamite tomorrow. Uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling so you get that one as soon as it comes out. But for now, this has been Get a Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we. We'll see you soon. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.